the greatest weekend of football in my lifetime just occurred. This NFL divisional round was probably the greatest thing us football fans have witnessed this generation. Four unbelievable games that all came down to the wire, all came down to last play, including three last second field goals. We are going to talk about Mr. Bennett's, Mr. Matty B's. We're going to call him Timmy Bengals and Matty Burrow for the podcast today because that's uh, they've earned those nicknames because they are the champions of the world in Canada and the Cincinnati, Ohio area, as they are the only Bengals fans I know in my lifetime in my world. So uh, before we get into the preview, Tim, you've got a, you've got a, something for the boss here. I do have something for the boss. Uh, hanging out this weekend, watching the games with my buddy uh, Aiden Goodall. And he's been a loyal listener since I came on, which is super rad. So shout out to him. Uh, he wants to know from you, Mr. Brock, the boss. Uh, do you call yourself the boss after leave Schreiber's character in Goon, uh, Ross, the boss, Rhea? So uh, what say you to that? Uh, no, I, uh, I mean, no, sorry, good. All that's not the where it happened. I mean, if I was to come up with a nickname of characters, I don't think Ross the Boss Ray would be, you know, the first one I look to. Um, but I appreciate the question. I mean, that kind of fills out the, there is no such thing as a stupid question question because that was borderline. Uh, still a good time listener. We appreciate it good all. But um, no, that I did not get the boss from Ross the Boss Ray. Now we have another question that was sent to us as well. From uh, new listener, shout out Teddy Hayes. She wanted to ask you, Timmy Bengal. Uh, obviously, that's just your name for the show now. She did not say that. She said, can someone please ask Timothy, That's this is her words, which came first, who dat or who day? Who was the copycat here? And then she ends with, thank you, love you. And that, that kind of just got me pretty fired up. So Teddy Hayes, shout out. Love the question. Tim, all yours. Floor is yours. What do you got for Teddy? Uh, just for those listeners who are trying to figure out who that is, uh, listen back to some of the old podcasts. That's my future wife we're talking about. Um, and yeah, she's asking this question full well, knowing the answer. She just wants to embarrass me in front of everybody. Uh, yes. Who dat came first from the saints. Uh, she is a saints gal. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess technically who day it's close to it. Some may say we copied it. I don't. Um, we've also, you know, just taken it and run with it to the AFC fucking championship. So where are them Saints at, Teddy? Yeah, it's we uh, we obviously appreciate our listeners always sending in questions. If you have a question for the Filter Not Included boys on the podcast here, uh, feel free to DM us on our socials on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or Facebook at Big Screen Sports. For Twitter, it's at Big Screen Sport, or send us an email. Big screen sports 2020 at gmail.com. That's big screen sports 2020 at gmail.com. Good old Teddy. We appreciate the questions. Keep flying week in, week out. Now, since we've answered the fan questions, let's get into the preview. We're going to go chronological order here. So, Tim, I'm going to pass it on to you first. We're going to go Saturday, the first game. What are your thoughts here from that game? Just an absolute starter with your fucking Bengals completing the upset, beating the Tennessee Titans in Nashville and ups, it, uh, unlocking the first upset of the weekend early on in Saturday. Uh, obviously, both of you, we got Timmy Bengals and Matty Burrow here on the podcast today. 
both diehard Bengals fans. But Tim, I'll give it to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? What were your feels? Uh, and tell us, tell the fans what you were thinking. Oh man, it was a bit of a roller coaster of a game while watching it. Um, but I resent the fact that people are calling it an upset because if you listen to the podcast, I predicted this shit. I said it would happen on a, you know, we'd win this game on Evan McPherson's foot, which we did. Um, the game was, you know, not, I'll be honest, not the most exciting game until the end there. Um, and I had full confidence right until the end when Tennessee started scoring and I, you know, bite my nails, was not sitting down for the last like five minutes of the game. I was up and down pacing in my house, punching the wall, screaming. All my friends are staring at me like I'm at, like I'm an absolute psychopath. But uh, right before Money McPherson went out to kick that game-winning field goal, I looked at my friends and I was like, if he bangs his kick, I'm getting an Evan McPherson jersey. And of course, as we all know, he went out there, banged the kick. And I want it known, I am a man of my word, but if anybody follows, which I know nobody fucking does except for me, uh, follows the Bengals Pro Shop on Twitter, uh, they just tweeted out today that they are not going to have any Evan McPherson jerseys in stock for at least the next four weeks because everybody sold them out within about five minutes. And on top of that, they sold out all the custom jerseys. So people were going above and beyond spending 300 bucks to customize a McPherson number two. Uh, I so that, Timmy. I did see that. And apparently NFLshop.com has been out of Jamar Chase jerseys for a month and a half. Like this is ridiculous. Like he went for those, what was that? Back-to-back games with huge yards and then everything just sold out. Man, people are saying that the Bengals are now America's team. So fuck you, Gavin. Uh, um, that's, yeah, that's my big one is, I promise to the listeners, to my people, that I will be an owner of an Evan McPherson jersey. Just can't happen right away. So those are my thoughts. Today we are going to the championship. That was our first ever road playoff win. And guess what? We might be getting another one. Maddie, what yeah. do you got? Yeah, Maddie, let's uh, let's hear what you got. It, was there a bottle of champagne popped with a nice sticky note on the side of it? Obviously, not the nicest champagne, but still you know, something to pop the cork with. Was there something like that on Saturday for you? Uh, no, I, uh, if I was a little bit better planning ahead, I probably could have done that. But no, I just ended up deleting like 35 Bud Light Seltzers. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was it was a good game, stressful game. McPherson, like Tim said, one of the most underrated players. I mean, everyone saw what that he told backup end back of quarterback Brandon Allen that he was going to go out there and drill the kick and send him to the AFC championship. And he did. And that's, that's incredible. But like you said, there was nine sacks on Burrow. It was a very rough looking offense. We had problems with the noise that they fully admitted today. So I think the team's in a good place. You know, you win, you're in the AFC championship. I'm never going to complain about any of that. And probably the biggest bright spot is all of America and Canada talked about how the Bengals D line was injured, lost Larry Okunjobi and yet the boys come out and ball out and old Derek fucking Henry to 62 yards. So Tim almost predicted that one too. I believe he said under 50. So I don't, I'll I did say under 50 on that one, but yeah, that was, that was crazy, man. I've never seen something like that. I've never had one of my professional sports teams that I love, love have even remote success 
in my young adulthood. It's, it's crazy. It's a weird feeling. I don't even know what to do. I've gotten drunk every Bengals game, this playoffs and this, now this one's going to be out Sunday. So Monday is going to be a tough day at work, but boys come to battle. If Joe can go out there and play, I can go out there and play. So yeah. What do you think, Brock? What was your thoughts watching the game? Yeah. Well, you know, I alluded to in one of my, uh, in my Instagram story, shouting you boys out and our, uh, my UFC gambling video there for UFC 270. We'll talk about that later on the show. So if you're a UFC fan, stay tuned later on. We'll talk about UFC 270, but uh, I started off the video by congratulating you to our resident Bengals fans. And I also mentioned too that uh, obviously for me personally, my playoff bracket was very dead because I picked the Titans. Uh, obviously I went 0 four this weekend on all my playoff bracket picks. So that that's something that hurt a little bit of the pride, but I did say we'll get into the game later. I did reach up, look at, and talk to God. And I said, if you let the Packers lose, I'm okay going on for my picks. So he did listen. He did uh, obviously follow through on that. So for me personally, the bracket was dead after that game. Uh, you know, there's 165 entr- entries in the Brisson playoff pool this year. Uh, first prize was 1200 bucks. Obviously when the Bengals beat the Titans, I'm sure that pretty much ruined all my odds. And then obviously the other own four didn't hurt or didn't help that either. So uh, the one thing I will say, I wanted the Bengals to win. My sports gambler in me said the Titans were a better team and were going to win. Obviously, I was wrong. I was 0-4. I was very wrong this weekend. But I have one question for each of you. Uh, well, it's the same question for both. Uh, going into the game, they'll be playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who they have beat. Are you guys a little nervous, the fact that Joe Burrow got sacked nine times? I mean, you, you were as happy as ever that your team won on a last-second field goal. I mean, not to be negative Nelly here, but that's – quite an accomplishment to win a game after getting sacked nine times. Fuck, man. I know we'll touch on the Bills and the Chiefs after, but watching that on Sunday night, I'm almost wish I was Tim and I didn't catch the entire game, but watching that pissing contest for about an hour of real life time and like four minutes of game time was one of the most like, Buzz kills of all time. I'm hung titties. I'm watching the our inevitable opponent from next week just destroy each other. I don't know. I'm not so much worried about the Chiefs D-line. Like, we beat them a couple weeks ago, but, like, fuck. You just can't. Like, you don't, you don't want to fuck around and find out with Patty Mahomes. Yeah, Tim, obviously, you know, as a man that I need to get more professional insight, you're a Seattle versus Seattle. Cincinnati Bengal insider, uh, break down kind of the offensive line performance. What went wrong? Is it fixable for next week? And, you know, are they able to sustain that Chiefs D-line, you know, going into Kansas City? Man, oh, man. Um, Yeah, not a good showing by the O-line, obviously. Nine sacks is hard to comprehend. (laughs) Um, I don't know if Matt feels the same way, but every time I see Joe Burrow hit, I get scared. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily nervous about the Chiefs. I don't see that happening ever again with the Bengals. Um, but I really hated watching it. The O-line just got manhandled a few times, like just straight bull rushes that were just getting blown out. And uh yeah, I was very nervous watching Joe get hit that many times, but but he's the coldest man in America right now. He doesn't care how many times he gets hit. He's going to bounce back, and I think we're going to have an absolute shootout. 
I saw the opening over was set at 50 and a half, and I think it's already up to 53 and a half. So it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. do expect Joe to get hit a couple times. Yep. No, and that's and that's fully expected. But you know, Joe Burrow went out there, got sacked, what was it, eight or nine times? I think mean, I saw eight and a half some places. Like he got out there, he got smashed, and the boys still were able to come away with a win. And that's that's important. Like coming into this season, I personally felt that the defense was going to be the biggest downside, and the defense could get exploited. And like we could be losing games where we score 35, 40 points. And the defense has completely shoved that up my ass, but the boys are still like this team is so complete and they've taken on Joe Burrow as a person too. In so far as he's now the team culture, he's everybody. They don't call him franchise because of that stupid picture that the NFL posted. They call him franchise because he's the guy you build the ground. And I, I would wager to say, we can talk about this maybe once we get to the last game, but do you think these three guys are going to be better than the past three best quarterbacks? Maybe, maybe they will be, I don't know, but I'll pass it back to you, Brock, and and you can let me know your thoughts. Yeah, no, I obviously, you know, during that Bills-Chiefs games, which, again, we'll preview or recap later on, that's one of those where, you know, all that you met, all that you heard from analysts and insiders and people around this world of football was these guys, the league is in good hands. That was the famous quote throughout Twitter was the league is in good hands with guys like Allen and Mahomes. Obviously, you had Joe Burlett mix. There's a few other guys, too, uh, who are up-and-comers, but – Joe Burrow obviously claimed his eliteness this week, uh, this weekend with the big, you know, first win ever road win for the Bengals. Obviously, uh, he is the man there. The Bengals fans should not be happier. Um, and I, quite frankly, I am very happy for you guys. You guys deserve this. As a Cardinals fan, I can only wish to beating, you know, moving on to the next round of a playoffs. But obviously, that's just what how it is. So uh, what I will do, though, as the biased podcaster that I am, is let's do a little Titans talk. I know you guys probably don't want to because you just fucking throttled them, but I will for the people because there might be a Tennessee Titans fan out there, uh, you know, waiting for the Tennessee Titans talk. So here it is. Number one, uh, Ryan Tannehill is the most frustrating quarterback to watch, and I'm probably not the only person saying that in Nashville, uh, obviously recording this Monday. I'm sure you said it all day Sunday watching other teams with successful quarterbacks go out there and dominate and lead their team to either victory or a close finish when it came to Josh Allen, the bills, but Ryan Tannehill is not the answer. It's kind of the Carson Wentz of the Colts. Uh, you have a team here in the Titans who absolutely turned things around on defense last year. They had one of the worst third down defenses in the league and probably league history. Uh, the Titans defense was finally playoff. Good. I'll call it playoff caliber. And Ryan Tannehill just made some of the biggest fucking boo-boo plays I've ever seen. Uh, in a playoff game so that's a guy you can't trust anymore hopefully you guys move on you don't give him another chance because quite frankly I don't think he's the guy to lead you deep in the playoffs and you guys have a playoff team you know the other big uh, obviously news story coming out of this or storyline was uh, Derrick Henry obviously didn't look great that fourth and one play call was probably the worst play call of the weekend and there was a fucking couple bad ones uh, but that fourth and one he looked like he was towing a U-Haul truck behind him because he looked very slow that that Bengals defense got to him pretty quick. And uh, I just, he made fourth and one look like fourth and 14. So uh, Derek Henry, obviously not a hundred percent healthy at a steel foot or steel plate in his foot, which obviously granted the guy came back and played. So kudos to him, but he was not hundred percent. He's a key factor. So uh, I think Mike Vrabel is still the guy. You got to give him another year or two. Uh, hopefully draft a quarterback. I don't know whether it'll be in the draft, obviously lower first round, uh, maybe there's somebody out there, you know, a Kenny Pickett or, you know, someone like that, a Matt Corral that maybe slips in the draft. You can take him. 
Uh, I think you have the pieces around this team that's a Super Bowl contending team, but I do think the one question mark is Ryan Tannehill. So uh, key takeaways, Ryan Tannehill, not the guy. Derrick Henry, not in his best game, obviously due to the injury. Titans defense is improved. And uh, I mean, you just got to, sometimes Titans fans, you just got to tip your cap to the Bengals. They were the better team on Saturday. You got a lot of things to do in the off season, but I, I will probably stat my professional sports advisors, NFL predictor, analyst brain in me and say the Titans are a contending team going into next year if they make a change of quarterback. So I don't know what you boys think about that. If we got nothing else there, we can uh, move on to the next game. You know, I think that I think that you're right in everything that you said there. I mean, you know, like, what did we talk about last week, Tim? We said that if you make Ryan Tannehill have to beat you, Ryan Tannehill will not beat Joe Burrow. And that's exactly what happened, right? Like, like you said, we bottled up Derrick Henry. Our nose tackles, shout out Tyler Shelvin and DJ Reader, were just blowing up the A and B gaps, making them try to have to bounce to the outside. And then when your linebackers can fill those holes, it's a recipe for disaster. And I think you're right, Brock. They're going to be a good team next year. They're going to be a good team coming forward, but they got to figure out this quarterback situation. And I hopefully Ryan Tannehill can get better because I do like the Titans and I do like Vrabel and. Derek Henry's a motherfucker to stop, but I don't know if he was necessarily healthy. Like, if he could play, he could play, but it's a playoff game. You have to fucking shoot both my knees with a shotgun, and I would be, have to actually tap out then. Yeah, the last thing I'll say here before we move on to the next game, again, Titans fans, Ryan Tannehill provided you – you're not the one seed by accident. It wasn't like you just fucking magically woke up one day and was the one seed over you know teams like the Bills and the Chiefs. You earned that one seed. Obviously, we're not taking that away from you. Ryan Tannehill had some great moments and great games this season, including a moment in that very game against Bengals where he threw probably the most perfectly placed pass to A.J. Brown, who caught it with his left arm that I've ever seen. That was probably the greater thrill than that Winnipeg Blue Bombers guy who threw that pass to the, his receiver who wasn't even looking and just snuck in his arms. Maybe the Buster Posey throw to Jake Peavy when he was screaming at the umpire just landed in his glove. That was that type of throw. When I saw that Ryan Tannehill throw, I was like, that just reminded me of the Blue Bombers quarterback and that Jake Peavy Buster Posey moment where Peavy wasn't even looking at the ball or Posey and it just fucking magically landed in there. So Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. We'll talk about it with Jimmy Garoppolo later on in that preview coming up next. But quite frankly, he's not an elite enough quarterback like a Burrow is, like an Allen and Mahomes have proven already to take a team to the Super Bowl. He just, he isn't. He's good enough to get you there, but he ain't the guy to take you the other way. So that's... Sorry, Tim, you got something else? Uh, yeah, I feel like this is too much positive Titans talk. I got to throw some Titans slander out there. Uh, I disagree with you saying that they earned the number one seed. You guys got the one seed because we beat the Chiefs. Who day? Fact. That is a fact, actually. Fair. Fair. But all I'll say, I'm not, I'm not a Titans defender here. I don't love the Titans. All I will say, you don't get the one seed from one week of football. I mean, it happens throughout the season, too. The Bengals lost some questionable games. The Titans lost some questionable Titans probably the worst best team in the league because they lost to teams like I think the Titans or the Jets and the Giants, if not for sure, the Jets, I remember, but um, they, they happened to get the one seed. It wasn't by accident. It was like, they just fell in their lap. So maybe a little bit of fall in their lap with the terms of the Bengals being the chiefs, but it wasn't just one week of football. So let's move on to the 49ers. And Packers. I had a conversation with God on Saturday and I told him how, at halftime of this 49ers Packers game, I told him, I said, God, I will let you allow me to go on four in my picks for all straight up winners this weekend, if you allow the Packers to be 
one of those teams that loses. And sure enough, I went 0-4 and God listened to me. So God is really out there. There is a football God, and he listened to me this weekend because Aaron Rodgers is packing his bags. Rasan, what were your thoughts from the game on Aaron Rodgers and his future with the team or some other aspect of you know the team or this game? What were your thoughts when you first heard the, Aaron, the Green Bay Packers have been eliminated from the 2022 NFL playoffs? Uh, well, it was a shit game on both sides. Like no one actually, I don't think had a good game except the guy on special teams who blocked that field goal. Like Jimmy G went for 131 passing yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. And Rogers did better, barely, but he went for 220 with zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So I think it was a tough game with the conditions and everything, but you know, you hear about how Lambo is so hard to go into in the cold weather in the winter to win, go in there and beat the home team. And <laughs> apparently it's just as hard for the home team. Aaron Rodgers isn't exempt, isn't invincible. Like if he bleeds, you can kill him. And that's a reference to probably the next game after this. But Lambo just looked sad in all the pictures, you know, it was snowing. It looked cold as shit. All the, yeah, all those pictures of the Packers players walking off the field. Like I love to see it, but like the stadium just looks sad to me. And I don't know what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he knows what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers. If they brought him on the Joe Rogan podcast as a permanent like co-host, that show would probably triple in popularity. And I think it's already like a third of the world's population. So, you know, I it's exciting, man. It's cool to see. Will he go to Jeopardy? Props to him, though. Like, to have all the cards in his own hand, be able to do what you want. Like, that's pretty fucking sweet to be able to be like, no, I don't need to make $25, $30 million this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, my big takeaway, you know, before I let Timmy uh, Bengal here talk, was that uh, I said the Packers' defense were frauds. Obviously, this was not very much proved in this game because it was a very cold, low-scoring game. Uh, and obviously, they were playing a team led by Jimmy Garoppolo. But that that didn't really come to fruition. It wasn't like the 49ers beat him 45-13. to 13. But, you know, that, that was my big takeaway was it wasn't the defense's fault. It was the special teams. But, Tim... Timmy Bengals, you go first. What are your what were your main takeaways from this game? I I remember hearing on the broadcast them talking. I think it was a Matt Lafleur quote that basically said, "We're going to win this game unless the special teams fucks us in the ass," um, and uh, that exactly happened. Um, the Green Bay Packers are the worst special teams team in the league. Their offense should not lose games, and they were sputtering, possibly due to cold weather, but it just didn't look like they were on the same page. Um, and I don't know, their defense played okay, but like they held Jimmy G to nothing, but I think that's more of a Jimmy G thing than a defense thing. It was just their special teams was bad. Like, I don't know, man. It's not a pretty sight. Well, it, I mean, Green Bay is still a good team, but. I don't know. After a performance like that, I don't think they have it. Something has to change. And like you guys are both alluding to that, something is probably going to be Aaron Rodgers leaving. Um, It'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But like, I can't believe that for a game winning field goal, they only had 10 guys on the field. Like, how does that happen? That special teams coordinator is gone. No question about it. And like, it's tough to have possibly the best punter in the league and still be the worst special teams team in the NFL. Like, I don't know. It was, that was a tough game to watch. It was close, but it was still not the most exciting thing I've ever seen. 
No, it definitely wasn't a game that, you know, would rack up the pay-per-view views or anything like that. But for me, the big, you know, it's the special teams thing, as Tim alluding to, some of you listeners may not know this, may not have watched the game or may not have known the specific statistics behind it, but uh, the Green Bay Packers special teams, again, worse in the entire NFL this season. They allowed two block punts, a block field goal at half, uh, right before the half, and had 10 players on the field where you're allowed 11 for the game-winning field goal hit by Robbie Gold at the end of the game. So not only were they just letting guys through the line, blocking things left, right, and center, they also just couldn't count to 10. And it was kind of a reverse Saskatchewan Rough Riders moment uh, where that's just, it's one of those, you're like, you have your, your season comes down to this kick, right? This, this kick hit goes in your season's over, right? You don't think kind of the one thing you'd want to have is the right amount of guys. Like who knows, like all it takes is one guy to get a tip of a ball. The ball doesn't go in. Why, why would you, obviously they didn't mean to do it, but it's one of those one less guy means one more guy on the, you know, field goal kicking unit to block another guy or double team a guy. And it's just outrageous. That's how the season ended, especially how badly and poorly they played on special teams. So, um, Tim, you had something else to add there. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows my stance that Evan McPherson is the best kicker in the NFL, but Robbie Gold is by far the most disrespectful. Um, when they were playing against the Cowboys, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the cheerleaders were doing a big dance on the field, and Robbie Gold was right in the middle of them still banging pregame field goals, which was great. And then he doubled down this weekend. The Packers had their entire team lined up on the field doing whatever they do for pregame. And Robbie Gold's right in the middle of it, just banging field goals over top of him. If I had seen video of that pregame, I could have told you that Robbie Gold is going to win this game for the 49ers. I'm obsessed with kickers, and that dude's a badass. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'll I'll tack on to that, actually. I think it was poetic justice in how this game ended. You know, the 49ers block a field goal to get back in the game. And the Packers, when they need to block a field goal, they can't throw enough guys on the field. So if I said this before, you fuck around, you find out, and they found out. And now you're probably losing Rodgers and Devontae Adams and everyone and their mother. You'll get some compensation picks, but man, what a way to go. What a way to go. And a true tip of the cap, too, to whatever analysts or football insiders or social media personnel that had footage of uh, this pre-game Robbie Gold uh, kicking during the player introduction video because they did such a great job of wasting until minutes later after he kicked the game-winning field goal to eliminate the Packers. Because if that was released pre-game, uh, I have a feeling that just for some reason it could have been Packers by a billion. That's just oh, how yeah. it goes. So like, and if he misses that kick and that video is circulating, it could be the end of Robbie Gold's career. So uh, kudos to whoever. I'm sure there's many people that had that video. It wasn't just one person, but... The fact that we all saw that minutes after the he kicked the game-winning field goal to eliminate the Packers, that is true social media tip the cap. The other but thing, Think too, about the nuts on them, though. Like, dude, if there are other three guys in my foursome when I'm golfing or looking at me trying to hit a 60-degree, chunked. He has a half-full stadium, and he's kicking footballs over top of the people who are going to try to kill him in about 45 minutes. Like, incredible. I can't believe he was doing that. Sorry to cut you off, Brock, but like that is insane. No, that's fair. And at least with the specific situation in Green Bay, he's probably looking at some of these mutts and being like, well, you guys are the worst special teams. You guys ain't going to fucking touch me with a 10-foot pole. So I ain't fucking scared about kicking a field goal over your head while they're introducing you in Lambo. And speaking of Lambo, I need this to be on the record. The filter not included keeps record of all this stuff, and this has to be on there. The phrase, 
it's tough to win in Lambeau in January has to be fucking removed from football talks for at least the next five to 10 years. Cause I think they're fucking lost their last eight games at Lambeau in playoffs. I mean, Brett Favre lost one in 08. I saw, you know, against the giants shout out Westy and his giants, but you cannot say anymore. It's tough to win in Lambeau in January because it's fucking very clearly easy because every team seems to do it. Obviously the 49ers have done it twice. They did it when they went to the Super Bowl, but it just, you can't fuck it. It's over fucking stop saying it. Like, Pick a new stadium to be like, it's hard to go through. You know, I don't even know what the fucking Bengals stadium is named. Maybe that's the new one. We'll say it's hard to go through Cincinnati in January. Maybe that will change it to that. Filter not included on the record. We're going to change it. It's hard to go through Cincinnati in January for the next five to 10 years. I think that's pretty cool. I fully agree with you there, boss. I fully agree with you. Who day, baby? Who day? Uh, all right. First game on the Sunday. Moving on. Another absolute fucking barn burner. Close to Tom Brady-esque game as you can get uh, is the Rams and Bucks. Obviously, for the listeners out there, I was unable to watch this game uh, due to other reasons. But uh, all I could, all I saw in between periods of my refing, uh, shout out Sherpark Park Minor Hockey, was I saw twenty-seven to three, and then after the game, uh, we were talking all of us in the room that the Bucks completed the comeback to twenty-seven to twenty-seven but they still lost. It was almost Tom Brady-esque. It would have been the greatest social media escapade. First take, undisputed, which, you know, Skip and Shannon would have been just fucking all-time Tom Brady talk for at least a week until their next game. But unfortunately, they couldn't pull through. Uh, Tim, I'll pass it to you first. Uh, I believe you're able to watch this game. What's your in-depth analysis on both the the outright lead that the Rams got as well as the Tom Brady-led comeback? I think it starts with the word complacency. Um, The Rams got off to a real hot start and they just kind of went on to cruise control. And I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking it. Once I saw that uh, close up of Tom Brady's face with blood pouring out of his mouth from that uh, one hit that he took, I just knew, you know, game on. Here comes Tom Brady. Tom terrific. I mean, you don't bet against the man. Obviously he didn't win this time. And like, actually I did bet against the man and won no big deal. Um, but he, you have to always expect that he's going to come back some way, somehow. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Matt Stafford has breakfast with Cooper cup every morning. They should be quadruple teaming the man. Like there's no way that Cooper cup should have dominated that game the way that he did because Everybody and their moms know that Matt Stafford is looking his way nine times out of ten. For those that are wondering, that is the key to stopping the Rams is shutting that man down. But, uh, I mean, hats off to Tampa Bay for, you know, keeping that fight in them the entire game. It's probably pretty easy to go down 27-3 and just shut things down. But uh, Tom Brady's been there before, and they showed a lot of fight. They're still a really good ball team. And like I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, uh, once they lost AB, they lost their Super Bowl. Like, I don't know. I know he's an absolute clubhouse cancer and, and, and. He's still a great receiver. Tom just needed that one more weapon, and he for sure would have won this game. But uh goes back to the breakfast boys, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. They're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, like obviously speaking of the breakfast boys, you know, Cooper Cup, nine catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown in a fucking playoff game against Tom Brady's uh, what is it that the, what do you call them? The Gronkineers? Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Tampa Bay Gronkineers. So 
honestly, honestly, whenever you get a stat line like that, regular season or playoffs against any team, nine catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown, that's fucking pretty impressive. And like I said, my big takeaway in the preview show we did a few days ago was uh, Matt Stafford. I picked the box just because I feel, feel like Matt Stafford, you can't trust him. He won his first playoff game ever, and you're going up against a guy who's got the most of all time, Tom Brady. Uh, Matt Stafford went 28 for 38, 366 yards and two passing touchdowns, no interceptions, got sacked a couple times, but Stafford played the perfect Stafford game. He didn't make that fucking boo-boo interception like I predicted on the show. He was calm, cool, and collected. He did exactly what he needed to. Uh, Brisson, I'll let you talk more about the AB thing that was absolutely outrageous. I, I just can't believe that he posted that on social media. I'll let you get into it because I know you got a fucking soft spot for the guy and his drama. But the last thing I'll get into before I pass it to you is, I, I got to be honest, all I saw in this game was, this is all I know about the game because I never watched a single minute of it. And Sports Center, 27-3, to 27-27, the field goal, and that pass to lead up to it. I got to be honest with you. I am not a Matt Stafford hater. I don't hate the guy. I think he's a great quarterback. I didn't pick him to beat Tom Brady because it's hard to play Tom Brady in the playoffs. Kudos to him and the Rams and Sean McVay. They actually beat Tom Brady, even though they tried to fucking cough it up as many times as they could, apparently. But why was that throw so impressive? Like, it just, he led a receiver who was, you know, two feet separations from, you know, the safety. I, I don't get it. Like, everyone was ooing and aahing over the throw. He made that big throw. Is Matt Stafford so questionable of a quarterback sometimes that he isn't supposed to make that throw? Like, that just seemed like a routine throw. That looked like every combine throw a quarterback makes when they're trying to impress the scouts, you know, at their college, uh, uh, whatever, college draft day or whatever they call it, scout day. It will just look like Cooper Cup had two yards of separation from that guy. He threw it over his shoulder. He caught it. I don't, it wasn't like Ryan Tannehill's AJ Brown throw where he fucking put it in the perfect place, the only place he could catch it. It just seemed like a normal throw. I don't know what you guys think about it. I think it's just a little bit overplayed that that was a fucking magical throw. It was a great clutch throw, but I don't think it was fucking anything more to ooh and all over anything else we saw this weekend. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a take and a half, but I think it was partially like it was a good throw. It was a seven. I mean, if you're always taking sevens, then you'd live in life all right. But it was also kind of like the Bucks fucked up. So this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. So Bruce Arians after the game completely sewered his defensive coordinator, whoever was supposed to call it into the defense and sewered his defensive captain because he said that they weren't prepared to play defense, that half of them on that play thought that they were playing cover, half of them were playing man. And that just caused a lot of issues. And I think that that's like obviously tough situation, sucks to lose that game that way. But it sucks even more to know that your coach is a guy like that who has no problem just throwing guys under the bus. And it's not the first time. Last weekend or two weekends ago, Bruce Arians got fined 50 grand for punching one of his players with an open palm right in the helmet while the guy was on the field. Like, is that the guy you want to go to war for? I don't. Like, if I'm if I was a box player, we could be down 40 to nothing, and I'd be confident as long as Joe, as long as well, if Joe Burrow is my quarterback, I obviously would be. But as long as Tom Brady's your quarterback, he's Jesus Christ himself, re-embodied, and that wouldn't surprise me. And the guy is just. He's such a good player. You always got to be confident. The other thing I had about this game was the fuck me, Nadamakin Sue kick, where he <laughs> accused Stafford of giving him a little donkey kick. And like he got roasted online. So it was a tough day to be him because that's like that's like an arsonist also trying to be a firefighter there, Nadamakin. So that's the get what that's you, the pot calling the kettle black. Obviously, yeah, exactly. that's, that's reap what you sow. Tim, what do you think about Stafford and Stafford and Cup on that throw? 
Um, I hear what you're saying, Brock. I think the part that I'm still most impressed by is just the connection these two guys have. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't the most dazzling throw, but if you take the moment into consideration, like that's a pretty high pressure throw to make. You got to put it right on the money, and he did. Um, I guess that's I a good point, you- actually, there, Tim. Like a, a six foot putt or a six foot putt to win the Masters are two very different things. And, and again, I'm not saying I'm not saying like I said, it's hard to beat Tom Brady. How do you beat Tom Brady? You have to make the throws when they're there. He made the throw. Like I'm not saying it wasn't a clutch throw. I'm just saying the physical act of the throw and catch was nothing fucking top ten sports center worthy. Like it just was a routine. Got Cooper Cup beat his guy. Stafford put it exactly where he needed to. I just didn't think it was again, it's the throw. You need to make that throw against Tom Brady. It's just the physical act of it being like he had like two yards of separation, caught it, and you just fell down. Like there wasn't pinpoint accuracy. He just made the throw. So I get where you're coming from, Tim. Well, then I'll jump past that and say the most electric part of the play was seeing Matt Stafford run down the field, waving his arms, dragging the whole team up to the line so that he can have that <laughs> spike. Um, I saw him. I wish that we were recording video of this podcast because Maddie B just <laughs> summed up what I was just talking about. Electric. Um, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video of the Detroit Lions fan that was celebrating while watching uh, Matt Stafford bring the boys to the line. That was so much fun to watch. That's just like, I don't know. It's hard not to like Matt Stafford. He's a good quarterback and he's just never been on a good team. So, like, obviously I'm pulling for the Bengals 100%, but, you know, knock on wood, something bad happens, I'm going to ride with Matt Stafford because I think the guy's pretty cool. I think he's a good quarterback. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be cool to see him win some. So I'm fully riding with it. I get where you're coming from. Not the most exciting throw, but it was still a hell of a throw. Yeah, like, I obviously, you know, I hate the Rams since they've been St. Louis Rams. Now I hate them at their Los Angeles, their division rival with my Cardinals. But I do love Matt Stafford. Like, if the Rams were to win the Super Bowl, and I had to take one positive away, it'd be that Matt Stafford finally won a Super Bowl. I think he would. It, let's let's say this right now before we move on to the last game of the weekend. If Matt Stafford is to win the Super Bowl with Sean McVay and the Rams, is he a Hall of Famer now with all the stats he's accrued in Detroit? Is that one Super Bowl enough for him to be Hall of Fame worthy? I think he's a Hall of Famer without the Super Bowl, look at his numbers. I know it's just from, you know, sheer games played and amounts of throws, like thrown, but the guys put up so many ridiculous numbers. Hasn't he topped 5,000 a couple of times? Like, he's just a hell of a quarterback. And he did that a lot of the time on some pretty terrible Lions teams. Like, he had Megatron for a lot of it, so you can't discount that. But the last few years, he's been on some bad teams. And so it's just nice to see him be on a good team, bunch of good weapons. I don't know. Good guy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Good guy, someone you can get behind, someone you want to see to do well. Like the problem is, is like if you're on that scale and you do too well, then you're Tom Brady. Everyone fucking hates you just because you're so much better than everyone else. But yeah, I, I like Stafford. I think that he'll be a Hall of Famer if this how, probably how many more years does he have to play? Four? three, four, something like that, somewhere in there Probably. to get just to get up to those levels that make you an automatic in because if he doesn't get in on his first couple tries, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, 
I want Stafford to do it. You know, Tim, we have uh, a man here named Tim Bennett on the show on the big screen sports team who I'm pretty sure created the thing called embrace debate on his own personalized uh, Instagram. So, I mean, there's embrace debates is hot dog, a sandwich is candy corn, a good Halloween candy. Those are always the go-tos uh, is die hard, a Christmas movie. But I think the embrace debate in the sports world, at least with Matt Stafford has always been, is he a hall of famer without a super bowl based on the stats alone? Obviously you got to expect now that if he wins a super bowl, he's cemented hall of famer, regardless what happens the rest of his career. I just, I think, I think he'd be a guy who makes a hall of fame without a super bowl, but obviously, you know, you always want that super bowl just to add a little bit, that little bit more hardware to your resume to make it easier for the committee to get you in there. Uh, last thing too, on this game, before we move to uh, the last game of the weekend, uh, I hate the Rams. I've always hated the Rams. They're the team I hate the most. I want Stafford to win a Super Bowl, but God fucking damn it, do I not want OBJ to win one? If he wins a Super Bowl, I I think he'll just be absolutely intolerable. So that's all I'm gonna say. I don't like OBJ. I hope he fucking never wins one. And one I'm more thing before we go on to the last game, sorry, Broccoli. Um, if the Bengals and the Rams both win, are you really nervous? Like, I'm not gonna be stable to sleep for two weeks. Like, I'm gonna be scared of Aaron Donald. It's like very scared for the next two weeks. I mean, I think it would be stupid to say anything, but I want the Niners to win this game real, real bad. Can't tell me that you wouldn't be scared of like Nick Bosa and Warner, and I'm missing the other guy's name on the line in San Francisco. But either team, you, if the Bengals had to play them, I mean, the Titans did it, and they don't really have any household names on it. They have a good defense, but you, you've if Aaron Donald played that game against the Bengals on Saturday, he would have committed capital murder against. Joe Burrow on national television. That's exactly what I'm worried about on yeah. the biggest stage in sports. Yeah, maybe we'll set, you know what? This will be the first ever big screen sports paid trip to Los Angeles is we'll make sure we find out where he's staying in his hotel. We'll get Prasad to go there as the Bengals insider, give him a VIP pass and just, you know, however you want to do it, you know, put Aaron Donald to sleep as natural and as humane as possible. Cause that would be the worst thing to happen to Joe Burrow and the Bengals is to go into Los Angeles to get, absolutely tattooed by fucking Donald and that rest of that defense. Last game here, we got the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, in my personal opinion, I don't care what you say, in my lifetime, I'm 24 years old, the greatest football game I've ever watched. Chiefs and Rams uh, was great a couple of years ago. This was the greatest game. Playoffs, divisional round. They have the history, the revenge factor. Um there's a lot of things about this game we could talk about. The fact that there was 25 points scored in the last two minutes. Chiefs pulled it off. Uh, you know, the classic t- uh, tweet we were talking about and the quote that you hear all over social media that after this game Sunday night was, the league is in good hands with quarterbacks like Allen Mahomes, which is something you love to hear, knowing guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady soon to follow or retiring slowly and the new wave is coming in. But, uh, Brisson, I'm going to pass this to you first. There's a lot of different storylines to talk about. What's the one storyline that piqued your interest more than the rest? Yeah, I think that. Uh, shit, I don't know how to break this up. I, th- I thought there was two big ones. I have the overtime rules and the bills blowing it. Do you guys have a different storyline here? Uh, Tim, which one would you rather talk about as opposed to the other? Um. Yeah, my two storylines would have been the overtime rules as well. And the fact that, you know, Patrick Mahomes and me are the same. 13 seconds is definitely long enough. 
All right. So with that, Maddie B, why don't we talk overtime rules? Uh, get us going on that tangent. Uh, before you do that, all I need to say to you people out there is you ruined a perfectly great fucking football game by having to, to you know, cynically talk about the, how the overtime rules suck. We all know they fucking suck. That's just how sports is. There's rules out there that fucking blow. But guess what? You took a perfectly great football game that we witnessed on Sunday afternoon slash night for the Chiefs to beat the Bills at home to go on to the uh, championship round. You went with it. You took it. You shit down its throat and said, fuck the overtime rules. I get it. They fucking suck. But at least sit there and enjoy the game while it's happening. That was a little heated. But Brisson, you take it over from here. Okay, so the overtime rules in the NFL, basically it's coin flip for possession. Well, you get to pick whether you want the ball or you want to defer, but there's literally no point in deferring uh, because if you get the ball and you score a touchdown, you win. If you stop the team and then they punt it to you and then you get a field goal, then you win. So it's first score after the first possession of the game. And it came down to, obviously, we all saw that crazy fourth quarter. We get into overtime. It turns into... It turns into a coin flip. The Chiefs win the coin flip. So Josh Allen picked incorrectly the quarterback for the Bills. And then we find ourselves in a situation where the Chiefs just drive the, drive the field and score a touchdown because that's what they do. And a lot of people, so there's two sides to this coin, no pun intended. One of them, you like the coin flip. You like it. You think it adds value and it adds excitement. And the other side is that it plays onto more luck than skill. And, you know, I think that there are lots of sides to this this these theories and all these things play into it. But at the end of the day, like the bills blew it because you shouldn't have had to get an overtime there. Like there's 13 seconds left. I saw Warren Sharp tweeted this out when the bills had the ball with 13, we're kicking off with, I think it was like 13 or 14 seconds. They kicked it out of bounds. So no time came off the clock. If you squib it, you get it down to nine flags. You take it from nine seconds to five seconds. So basically, as soon as the ball snapped, you tackle everybody, take as many flags as you can, just make sure Patrick Mahomes can't run out of the pocket. And then once he throw, decides to throw the ball away, that's when the clock stops there. You take whatever penalties and you play the next down. And then all you have to do is defend one Hail Mary. But the Bills, what they decided to do, they kicked it out the back of the end zone. And then that gave Patrick Mahomes a full 13 seconds on the 25. And that was fucking moronic. But the bills blew it, but that doesn't also mean that the overtime rules don't also suck. So Brock, I'll pass it back to you. What do you think of the overtime rules? Cause I think two things can be true at once. Buffalo blew it, but the overtime rules need to be changed. Yeah. Like I alluded to, obviously the reason, you know, everybody's talking about the whole Josh Allen never even got to touch the football. I agree. The NFL football time or overtime rules suck. Uh, after the game, obviously when I was sitting there slinking, in my couch, you know, 12 cores light deep. Uh, I was just sitting there thinking that fucking loss hurts because I had the Bills as my Super Bowl champions. I feel bad for Bills fans because they are a lot of great fans. This playoffs, there's so many good-looking, fat Bills fans that I was just like, I, I'm rooting with you guys now that my Cardinals are out. Um, but I agree, like, you, you can't have, especially in the playoffs, you can't have it where both teams can't at least touch the football. I think regular season, keep it the same. Whatever, if the team doesn't get to touch the football, fuck, that's tough on them. Like, they took it to overtime. They couldn't stop it. Whatever. I think playoffs, though, they have to institute, both like, a college football type where both teams, you know, it's back and forth, the first team to not really score or however it works in college football. But both teams, I think, have to at least touch the football in a playoff uh, playoff overtime game. I just think that's how it is. So, um, I know that – I know the Bills kind of shot themselves in the foot there. 
who would have thought in this world that 13 seconds was too much time on the clock to go, what was it, 50 yards? They went 25. Yeah, 45 yards up the field to field goal position. I think they were on the 30 or something like that for the game, uh, for that field goal to tie it, to go to overtime. Who would have thought 13 seconds is too much? Um, but yeah, I think separate rules for regular season and postseason is something that can be talked about. I'm sure they'll talk about it. The NFL, Roger Goodell will sweep it on the carpet and hope people forget in a week when the next, the new games come into play. But um, I just think that the fact that Josh Allen didn't have the chance to touch football is, you know, crazy. That sounds, I just think that's, that's terrible for a team like the bills and Josh Allen, who, you know, had the chance to beat the chiefs, quite frankly, Tim, what were your thoughts? Um, as far as the overtime rules go, I think making it like a 10 or 15 minute quarter, having them play the whole way out would be a better way to go about it. Um, I saw a stat earlier today said uh, 10 or like the, whoever wins the coin toss in playoff overtime games in NFL history is like 10 and one. Um, so I think that kind of speaks enough on that topic. As far as the game goes, um, Josh Allen won this game twice over and the Grim Reaper, Pat Mahomes just came out of nowhere and did it. Um that was one of my favorite quotes from the entire game was uh, Andy Reid went up to Patrick Mahomes and said, when times are grim, be the grim reaper. And he went out 13 seconds. Um, yeah. Drove the field, got that kick off. It was pretty incredible. Uh, I heard that uh, that route was not actually called. Uh, Kelsey just went up to Mahomes and dropped a, I'm not following the route. I'll be open. Just hit me. So, like, backyard football always plays, if you ask me. And I thought that was super rad. Um, Watching the game, I was so conflicted on who I actually wanted to win, just, like, coming as a Bengals fan. Because I think I would rather play against Buffalo, but I don't really want to play in Buffalo right now because it's so ice cold. So, I was pretty tore up, and I'm not mad about who won. We beat them before. We can do it again. And, of course, I'm going to turn this game into a Bengals rant. So, here we go. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for letting me do that. Yeah, Rasan, what'd you have uh, kind of wrapping up there? We talked over time, but what else from the game itself? What else did you have on this? I mean, it, it was just super impressive watching this game being played as a Bengals fan. I hated watching the last about last 10 minutes of the fourth and all of overtime or all of what was overtime, but it was just nerve wracking. Two good teams, two great quarterbacks showing that they're gonna beat you. <laughs> they're they're gonna do whatever they need to beat you. And it was it was awesome to watch as a football fan, horrible to watch as a Bengals fan. It got me a little nervous, but you know, I think that Brock brought up an interesting point with having a different different playoff format in regular season versus postseason. And that's something that should be explored. Like if you're you don't want to screw up the television stuff and you don't want to get players injured, but if you if you do something different in the playoffs, the playoffs are the playoffs, and you have so many thousands and thousands and thousands of eyes there. And like we just watched the greatest maybe two minutes of offensive play in football history, some of the most clutch plays. And now we don't get to see the other guy have a chance to finish it. That's not right. I think that they're gonna change this rule pretty quick, but you know, it was a great game. I feel for the city of Buffalo. And you know, maybe this is like the Tampa Bay Lightning where they Famously had that tweet where they say we have no words and you don't want to hear them after they got swept 
by Columbus. And then next year they won the cup. So we'll see. We'll see, fellas. We'll see. Well, obviously 25 points scored in the last two minutes. Not in my recent by recency bias, not the greatest output because uh, the U- Utah and my Ohio State Buckeyes scored five touchdowns in three minutes in an all-time Rose Bowl game uh, this past December. Uh, so, yes, I, I do agree. A lot of points scored. That was an electric game. But uh, the last aspect of the game that I need to take away from this, didn't know him, didn't, I'm not a big Bills follower. I love Josh Allen, love the team, want him to win. Uh, here's a stat for you. Gabriel Davis, eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, between the other between the other seven receivers on the team, including Stefan Diggs, the leading receiver throughout the year, who only had three catches and seven yards. The other seven, uh, the other seven receivers uh, combined for 118 yards. So pretty electric guy that you know. Josh Allen found his guy. He was open all night. He had four touchdowns. Put on an electric performance. Uh, guy made a name for himself. Not saying Diggs didn't do anything, but I'm sure Diggs was covered probably all night. I didn't obviously. I'm not watching the game film. Obviously, that's just. I'm sure that's the reason. He, Josh Allen wouldn't throw to Stephon Diggs if he was open. He just. That's he's not like Aaron Rodgers where he sets on Devonte Adams like that's the only guy I'm throwing to. That clip too of Randall Cobb being, uh, or no Alan Lazard being super wide open there at the end of the game. That was just all time being like that's such an Aaron Rodgers fucking self pity playing a little hero ball trying to find his best friend and he was fucking double covered the rest of the night. So, uh, but yeah, good for Gabriel Davis. Guy made a name for himself. Two hundred one yards, four touchdowns, but just not enough for. Those Bills beat those pesky Chiefs, and quite frankly, I'm pretty scared the Chiefs are going to run it back, and I really hope that's not the case. But, I mean, I think we can say it, boys. I know your Bengals are going to play them, but I think it's fair to say, not just because they're the higher, they're the lowest seed, but I think they're the team to beat. I think we can agree there. They're the team to beat here in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, that's our preview. Um, we're going to get into some UFC 270 talk, but before we do that, uh, you have a thought on this recent divisional round game. You're a good listener, obviously, because you've made it this far to the podcast. You want to be on the show to talk about it, or you got some questions for some fan mail. We'll show it to you at the start of our next episode. Feel free to reach out at Instagram, Twitter, big, or sorry, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at big screen sports, uh, at big screen sport on Twitter. Or email us bigscreensports2020 at gmail.com. That's bigscreensports2020 at gmail.com. You reach out to us. We'll get you on the show. We'll get you either fan mail as a guest. If you're a longtime listener, we appreciate our listeners. We always do everything for them uh, because we appreciate the filter to include listeners as much as possible. So uh, let's get into some UFC, UFC 270 talk. Before we get into our UFC 270 talk, uh, Maddie. Matty Burrow, as he is referred to on the show today, uh, had something for the listeners out there he wants to share about his Cincinnati Bengals and the fact they are such underdogs. This is the type of underdog status they had. So, Matty Burrow, what do you got for us? Yeah, you know what? Uh, Here, let's talk Super Bowl odds from the preseason. So, you want to talk about one team that was doubted from the very beginning this year, and it went from why not us, why can't it be us, to fuck it. We are the motherfuckers. It is us now. So, Tim, the Bengals were plus 15,000 Super Bowl odds at the beginning of this season. Do you wish you took them? And how much money would you reasonably put it on them at the time? 
obviously I wish I fucking knew that and realized that. Um, yeah, I going back in time, I'm putting a hundred bucks on that easy. What about you? I wish I put all, I, yeah, I wish I put my life savings on that if I knew. But here we go, Brock. How about what do you think the Kansas City Chiefs preseason Super Bowl odds were? Uh, I will say they were plus 150 because I don't think there's such thing as a minus favorite. Like, I don't think there's a favorite in Super Bowl odds. So I'll say plus 150. They were plus 450. You should have bet them. Ooh. I actually yeah. got them at plus 500. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, see, I'm one, have... those, I'm one of those people. Like, I, I love to, I love the future bets. I love them. I do them before every season. Like coach of the year, MVP, all that. I love that because I pick, you know, maybe my top two guys. Or sometimes I'm like, you know, like Michael Parsons. I already won that bet, defensive rookie of the year. Like that was the easiest bet, future bet I ever made. But I hate doing the Super Bowl one because sometimes, like I did the Vegas Golden Knights last year for hockey. They just fucking ripped my heart out. I was like, they were so close to making it and actually making me some money. But uh, NFL this year, I remember looking at it. I was like, I have zero clue at this moment uh, in like August or September when I did it, who was going to win the Super Bowl. But those are some good odds. So let's play a quick game for you. UFC 270 talk. Uh, the 2023 uh, NFL odds. We haven't even finished 2022 yet. That's how early these odds are. Uh, let's do the bottom three teams. Texans, Jets, and Lions are all plus 10,000 Super Bowl odds. Of those three teams, again, some teams don't even, you know, uh, Texans don't even have a head coach yet. You know, Lions is Dan Campbell still there. Robert Salen, the Jets. Uh, Tim, of those three teams, if they had of those three teams going into next year, who wins the Super Bowl? None of them. <laughs> um, if I had to pick one of those, I'd probably ride with the Texans because I think they're going to trade Deshaun Watson and get something out of that. They'll be the best team out of those three, but they still won't be a playoff team. Now, do you have Mills Mafia, Davis Mills, riding the Houston Texans to a Super Bowl? Is there a new guy coming in, whether it's draft or a free agent? Um, I'm not sure really what there is for draftable quarterbacks that are going to start right away this year. Uh, I mean, we got Kenny Pickett and uh, Stetson Bennett. I'm sure I'm missing a couple more, but those don't scream as, uh, you know, rookie starters to me. So if they don't pick anybody up in free agency, it would be Davis Mills. And I mean, he was pretty nice at times, but again, I just, I'm having a hard time seeing any of these teams in the Super Bowl. So, well, we, yeah, we've obviously, right. we, we talked about it in our coach carousel up. So go check it out. Whatever podcast platforms, uh, streaming service, you listen to NFL coaches slash GM carousel episode, where we talked about the Houston Texans giving uh, David Culley one year to coach and he did a great job and they fired him. Maybe the Texans are such a fucking one and done franchise. They say Davis Mills didn't take us to the Super Bowl this year. So he's done. I see a free agent, like a Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but I could see something along the lines of Teddy Bridgewater coming in, just being that stable quarterback. Maybe with, like you said, those all those Deshaun Watson picks, they bring him in, you know, help stabilize every other position on the team that needs to be helped. And maybe they just bring a steady guy like Teddy who's like, all right, just fucking win us eight or nine games and get us close to the playoffs. So that's kind of my prediction going into it. But who knows? Maybe they ride with Mills Mafia. Uh, Brisson. You got Texans, Jets, and Lions all at plus 10,000. If you had to put money on one of those teams right now to win the Super Bowl next year, who would you be? I'm taking the Jets. I think that Robert Sala is a good coach. I think that Zach Wilson is going to be an adequate quarterback, and the Jets are just cursed. I think the Jets might be the next Bengals where everyone looks down on a franchise, and 
always thinks they're going to be near the floor of the franchise rather than the ceiling. I think that's an interesting way to look at teams is sometimes you just get used to the pedigree of the organization and you think that they're always going to be at the bottom, but look at the Bengals. They one of the cheapest teams in the league have no indoor training facility, only team that has that. And they were able to put it together because you got number nine under center. So it doesn't matter sometimes what has happened previously. And I think that's kind of what the jets are plagued with. And I mean, the flat, the fact that you have Joe Flacco as like your third string quarterback is kind of also questionable, but we'll just, that's, that's an off season type of podcast. Yeah. So I guess with that being said, Tim takes the Texans, Rasan takes the Jets. I'll take the Lions. I'm not saying that I would pick the Texans or the Jets over the other. I mean, there's three questionable coin flip picks anyways, but uh, I'll pick the Lions purely for the fact that how can you not root for Dan Campbell to take it all the way? That's just a guy that's fun to root for. So let's go Dan Campbell, maybe a little Jared Goff revenge tour. Maybe he ends up beating those Rams in the playoffs. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a cool revenge story. But uh, so yeah, there's our 2023 Super Bowl talk. Texans, Jets, Lions version. Uh, moving on, like we talked about, we're going to talk uh, UFC 270. So if you made it this far into the podcast, congratulations. You're a two champion filter, not included listener. Uh, we're going to get into some UFC 270 talk before we do that. If you are a UFC fan, you love talking UFC, you love watching the sport, you follow it in depth, shout us out, give us a call, give us a message, give us an email at big screen sports on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. We are looking for the next UFC insider for big screen sports. Uh, as myself, I am trying to learn UFC, all the fighters, the ins and outs on, you know, the takedowns and the combos and all that stuff. I'm trying to learn, but I don't know everything yet. I'm still learning. If you like UFC, shout out us or uh, reach out to us. We'll get you on the podcast. We'll talk UFC. We've got a couple of fight nights coming up in the next couple of weekends. Uh, but please shout out to us. We are looking for UFC people. So UFC 2 to 70 talk. Uh, Matty Burrow and Timmy Bengal. I know this isn't your type of, this isn't your cup of tea. So I'll go through it real quick. Uh, UFC 270. I think it was a good card. Wasn't the greatest. Uh, the Ngano Gane fight was a little bit overhyped. They said it was the most fascinating UFC heavyweight fight in UFC history. Uh, that's just the easiest fucking clickbaity sell type headline you've ever seen. Cause that was a bit of a snooze fest. So starting from the first main card event, like I said, we don't do prelims here. We're just going to talk main card. We had Michael Morales uh, knock out Trevin Gills in four minutes and six seconds into round one. Or sorry, four minutes and six seconds left in round one. Uh, not much of a fight there. I mean, I mean, there was like a minute into the fight, not even. So not much to talk there. Uh, Cody Stammen losing to Saeed Nur- Nurmagomedev. I'll, I'm going to butcher a lot of these names, a lot of international name so if i butcher the uh pronunciation i apologize so no relation to habib who has the exact same last name so i'm sure it's a very popular type of last name in russia kind of like smith here in america and canada but uh if you want some good ufc taco check us out on instagram i had some ufc commentary uh that was quite some non-ufc fan talk and some ufc commentary from myself on what I thought, who was a non-UFC guy on the fight. Uh, The third fight before the two title bouts, uh, Michael Pereira uh, defeating Andrew Fialo with a unanimous decision uh, in the third, after the third round. Uh, This Pereira guy, for all of you, those of you who are UFC fans, is a crazy motherfucker. The guy loves, he fucking kicked off the cage and Superman punched uh, Fialo, which was pretty electric. 
Uh, those are the kind of fighters I love to see guys moving around. Uh, Joe Rogan loved to talk about how he's going to tire himself out, even though he made it all three rounds. So I'm sure if this Pereira guy gets about a title belt one day and he has to go five rounds, I'm sure he'll be gassed and get fucking lit the fuck up. But he survived three rounds. He got the unanimous decision from the judges. Fiala was pretty banged up. Uh, so, yeah, all, all I had to take away from my non-UFC talk was he got the guy fucking flies around like a spider monkey out there in the UFC cage. So uh, good for him. He won. Moving on, we have the uh, we have the Devison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno title fight. Uh, Devison Figueredo won via unanimous decision after five rounds. Uh, a couple of key points. One, like I said, it's on the Instagram. Go check out the videos. I mentioned Brandon Moreno is the Walmart version of Devin Booker because he looks fucking just like him, a Mexican version of him. Uh, so that's the big takeaway for me. The other one is there's a lot of Mexican people in Anaheim, California, because they absolutely filled up the Honda Center. So uh, Brandon Moreno, for those of you who don't know, who aren't UFC fans, was the first ever Mexican-born UFC champion in the flyweight division. Uh, so that's a big one for uh, those fighters out there. A lot of Mexican people in California. Who would have thought? Uh, the fight didn't have much. They, the big, Another big fight technical analysis breakdown was that every once in a while they punch each other so hard that they smiled at each other. This is the third time they've seen each other. There might be a fourth fight, a rematch later on. But quite frankly, you get punched in the face and you smile. I think you're a psychopath. So I uh, wouldn't want to fucking wouldn't want to fuck with either of these guys. And then there's the main event, the main card event. Everybody's waiting for it. Francis Ngannou, surreal gain. Uh, I know nothing about the surreal gain guys. French, big motherfucker. They came out in the cage. I was like, those are two of the biggest guys I've ever seen. Uh, and Ghana walked out to God's plan. That was pretty cool. Little toucher. Shout out Drake, Canadian guy. Uh, but this fight went the distance as well. Five rounds, five minutes. Uh, needed the judges to make the decision. But the key here, the big takeaway uh, from all my UFC insiders that I listened to was that Francis Ngannou learned how to wrestle. The guy won 16 fights in his UFC career. Uh, those 16 previous fights, he had 12 via knockout and four via submission. Uh, he never won via decision. So that's a big deal for this Nganu, obviously, who may or may not be in the UFC, uh, you know, in a few months here, may move on to Tyson Fury in boxing. So look out for that storyline. But um, yeah, so obviously pretty bit of a snooze fest fight for non-UFC people who are just looking for a big knockout one way or the other. Uh, good for Nganu. He learned how to fight and probably at the worst time because now he's probably not going to be in the UFC. So hopefully he enjoyed his last possible fight ever. Uh and for those of you who are wondering, yeah, the Big Screen Sports UFC best bet system was 3-2 and two less uh, on Saturday. Started out 0-2 with two first-round decision or uh, submissions and a TKO. Then went 3-0 and in the last three fights. So absolutely fucking just profitable. So you need to make some money. You got some bills to pay in 2022. Bet main card events to go the distance. That's all I'm telling you. It's profitable. Made $77 so far, $10 a bet. Five fights per night. Profitable. Uh, that's the UFC 270 talk. Like I said, you got some UFC 270 things on your brain. You want to share with us, uh, reach out Instagram, Twitter, big, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok at big screen sports for Twitter at big screen sport or email us big screen sports, 2020 at gmail.com. Lastly, we're going to do a little bit of MLB talk, MLB bargaining agreement, lockout, Timmy Bennett. You're the one who brought it up. Why don't you take the floor? What do you got in terms of the MLB and the lockout? Well, as we all know, this has been the most exciting MLB offseason in recent memory. 
Um, they've been in bargain talks that have been dead quiet. They take weeks off at a time. And today I get a notification on my phone, making it seem like there's big news across the board. And the big news is that the MLBPA decided to drop one of the three things they were fighting for. Um, they were looking to change some of the service time rules to try to avoid some of the service time manipulation that we've seen happen with people like Chris Bryant, Jared Kelenic. Um, but they just dropped that because they realized the MLB was going nowhere with it. The other two they're looking at is shared revenue, which I think is the one that they're going to keep fighting for. And they're also looking at some shortening of the arbitration window. So again, not the most exciting thing in the world, but the MLB has said that uh, we're not even going to talk about arbitration. So that one's going to be a stalemate. Um, I think it might be more exciting to talk about both. I want to hear from both of you. And then when you guys get through it, I'll share my thoughts. Uh, give me, you know, what month you think this is going to end, or if you want to pick a specific day, week that this lockout is going to end. And also, because we all know Rob Manfred's an idiot, um, who would you rather have as commissioner of Major League Baseball? So I'm going to kick it to uh, Matty B first, and then we'll hit Brock, and then I'll share mine. Yeah, it's it's incredible that these things still happen and that there can't be more good faith negotiations that ensure that no one loses out on money because the owners are losing out on some money right now. The players are losing out on some money. It's just unfortunate for all sides, but I don't see it getting solved anytime soon. It's, it's just, it's horrible. Like, I don't think, I think that they do realize how much buy, how much money they make, how important they are for a lot of these things. A lot of the players and a lot of the owners make, way way more way more lucrative than the players and maybe for good reason but at the end of the day like they do bring like if you took away the nfl for next year if you took away the oilers for the rest of this year hopefully they stop sucking but like that provides me so much happiness and value and just like being able to look forward to watch these guys play it's it's incredible and i think that at some point both sides need to make some sort of concession that they aren't acting like flagrant assholes anymore but yeah it's it's incredible I'll, I'll pick july 4th i think they're gonna come back right on right on the 4th of july and they're gonna maximize as many celebrations they they can get across the nation and the states because maybe the jays plan july 1st and then everyone else plays july 4th what do you think brock yeah so um for me, I'm a big, I follow all the insiders, all the big time analysts for all the major sports on Twitter. I get all their live notification tweets. So they pop up on your phone before, you know, like the scores, ESPNs and, you know, sports center or TSNs tweet out the breaking news. So I have all these guys, they blow up on my phone all the time. Uh, but the one guy that's my baseball guy, I ride or die with him. He's the best Jeff Passan. Uh, love, love his Twitter. He's an unreal Twitter account. So this is uh, this is his tweet from today that I saw regarding the MLB and the MLBPA's meeting. Quote, unquote, the meeting between the Major League Baseball Players Association and MLB is over. There is not a deal, nor did anyone expect one. Union made a broad, a broad proposal that included removing pieces of its past offers. So like Timmy alluded to, they removed the, you know, Jared Clank type things with arbitration and, you know, years with that. So, um he ended the tweet by saying, the good news, they're meeting again tomorrow. Passes for progress. So that's where we're at. The fact that these two teams, two teams, these two 
sides of the story are meeting again tomorrow. That's, that's where we're at for progress. So nothing against Jeff Passon. He's just doing his job, but that's where we're at in this world. I'm the kind of the person where you have to tell me when it's over. Just tell me when it's over. I don't care how you get to it. Give me a full breakdown of what they included, what they got rid of. Just don't, don't tell me they met and the good news is they're meeting tomorrow. I think that's a bit redundant for everybody to follow. So uh, I'm going to go, my prediction here is I'm going to go Jackie Robinson day, April 15th. I'll go. So I'll say April 14th, they'll have it done and they'll get a little Jackie Robinson day. And again, I'm sure spring training will be April 15th if that's the case, but I think Jackie Robinson day is kind of the area to look for. So April 15th, that's what I'm going with. Uh, and Brisson, did you already give your commissioner pick or are we going back to Tim for that? Let's go with Tim when they think they're going to come back. And then yeah. I got, I got something else fired up for the commissioner pick. I think maybe. Um, I think you guys are both a little ambitious with how long this lockout's going to end. I'm saying first week of spring training, we're going to see things break and teams are going to get back on the field. Um, also, yeah, shout out Jeff Pass and his Twitter account is great. But for me, who I think should be the commissioner of baseball, I also think he should be the logo of baseball. Imagine Ken Griffey Jr. backwards hat in meetings, just running the show, making things happen, making baseball cool. That would be pretty great for me, especially as a Mariners fan. Yeah, I was literally just going to add, in case you guys weren't sure, Tim's a Mariners fan, but I got a Ken Griffey shirt, all-time guy. Matty B, who's your pick? You know, I had something creative lined up, but on on second thought, I don't think it's probably appropriate for this context. Um, but I think that the thing that gets lost is that the commissioner is there. His sole job is to just take the arrows so that the owners don't have to. Like his job is to argue for the owners and the uh, PA is supposed to argue for the players. So I would like to see Trevor Bauer as commissioner of baseball and <laughs> I know he said it multiple times joking, and I know it sounds hilarious because it does, but I do think the guy can help to find a better, more informed, competitive balance in an unbiased way. You know, a lot of the things that he says sometimes might be a little bit more favored towards the players, and a lot of what Manfred says is obviously more favored towards the owners. But if you can find someone that two sides, two sides, it's a tug of war. Both sides are going to try to pull the rope. But if you can find someone that is willing to pull the rope at the same strength that the other side is then you can come to the best you can come to the best agreement and you can find the best middle ground and everyone can win that's the thing that's not apparent is that these negotiations that everyone can come out a winner except what's happening right now so trevor bauer for commissioner and again like i had my mic muted but i just laughed out loud because i'm trying to imagine a world where trevor bauer you know takes rob manfred's seat his YouTube channel will be probably one of the most subscribed YouTube uh, channels, you know, on this side of, you know, North America, but that would be an electric one. I, like I said, he's for the people. Uh, so would Ken Griffey Jr. I'm going to go a little bit, no, I don't want to say off the board, but again, he's a big executive here. I got two. So I'll start with the one I actually think would be probably the greatest commissioner in baseball history. And that would be Theo Epstein. He talked about, he doesn't, isn't going to be a part of baseball. He's alluded to being a commissioner one day or just, you know, maybe a president of a team later on. But I think Theo Epstein is, you know, one of the smarter executives that baseball has seen in the past 20 to 25 years in my lifetime. Like I said, I'm 24 years old. I think he'd be a guy that 
has a lot of great ideas and he's a smart enough guy to hire the right people around him to execute those. So my, my first initial pick would be Theo Epstein. If, you know, like you, these two guys alluded to, you know, Timmy Bengal and Matty Burrow, they both had uh, ex players uh, or I guess current player, you know, Trevor Powers, they're going to play again, maybe not, who knows that's a topic for a different day. But uh, I think with, in terms of players, I think Derek Jeter would be a guy I'm Derek Jeter through and through, Uh, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to prove what, he's capable of in Miami. Cause I mean, they're in rebuilding. So, I mean, maybe a couple of years down the road, they've been to a couple of postseasons, but Derek Jeter, very smart guy, very respected guy within the world of baseball. So my non-baseball player would be Theo Epstein. That'd be my number one pick. And my other player pick would be Derek Jeter. So that's uh that's MLB talk. That's, that's a good tangent to get on. Uh, do we got anything else, boys? Uh, any storylines or anything in world of sports? Uh, no, I, I got one thing, Tim, and it's about this weekend. I need your ethical opinion. I know where mine lies, but this was brought up to me as a Bengals fan. I think that you're in the best place. And obviously, Brock, you chime in too. But Bengals play the Chiefs this weekend in Arrowhead. Do you bet the Bengals or do you hedge your happiness and bet the Chiefs? Honestly, usually my strategy is to not bet on games that my team is in. But this playoffs, I've been riding with the Bengals, and it's been working. Um, and I'm not one to, you know, mess with what's been working. So we're going to ride with the Bengals. I'm not going to wear any of my Bengals gear because I haven't been. I put it on after the game. And, uh, yeah, I'm putting money on the boys to pull this off. We're going sprinkling the money line. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. One more quick question, Tim. Will you commit to buying a full fucking cigar and smoking it after the game if I do it too, if the Bengals win? Uh, I have a box of five cigars waiting for it. So, yeah, done. It's already been done. <laughs> Book it. All right, Broccoli, what do you think? Yeah, well. Not in the cigars. I mean, you can smoke a cigar if you want, but. Yeah, maybe I'll go a nice cigarello because I'm not as manly as you two. But, uh, yeah, a nice cigar would be nice, even though it's a team that, I'm not saying they're not my favorite team, but it would be a big screen sports cigar where it's like, I'm happy for my boys. Their Bengals are in the playoffs and they're doing successful. Uh, with with regards to your gambling question with the Bengals and the Chiefs, all I'm going to tell you is the fucking parlay to take is you're going to want to take the Joe Burrow over rushing yards, Patrick Mahomes over rushing yards, and you're going to take both unders for Burrow and Mahomes on interceptions. That's fucking lock parlay of the weekend, at least for that game. I just Mahomes ran for like 70 yards. Uh, you're sorry, what would that have been? Uh, yesterday, so Sunday. Um, and I don't know how many Joe Burrow ran for, but I'm sure it was more than what his uh, bet total was. But take both their over rushing yards, take both their under interceptions. That's the fucking easiest lock parlay if you're not sure on the over or par, uh, money lines. So. That's the boss's uh, Timmy B. Hopefully your uh, grade 11, 12 has made it this far into the show. What's Mr. B's lesson plan for tomorrow? What do we got for the, the next future generation of students? Oh man, I'm not happy you asked that question. Uh, <laughs> it is the end of the semester right now. So tomorrow I got my A block class. I get them for, you know, two more days a semester. Tomorrow's our long block, and we're playing games and watching cars. It's January 24th. It's the end of the semester. Yeah, second semester starts early February, baby. And then we're going to switch to grade 10s. 
remember. Am I, I'm drawing a blank here. Like, I don't remember high school that well, but like, I remember you get out at like 2.59 on school days, but I don't remember like ending a semester in January. Am I drawing a blank here, Brisson, or is it just me? I see. I see. Uh, fuck. I well, think that like it sounds yeah. like having exams after the holidays sounds familiar, but the, I don't know, man. I've been in university. I'm in my, I'm two classes away from my MBA. Like I've been in university for like eight years. I don't remember anything about high yeah, school. Yeah, Mr. B's students, if you're listening, if you made it this far, congratulations. Hopefully you're listening in class, playing some games with Mr. B. Uh, we are old farts here. We're all, you know, past 22 years old. We've been yawning. It's 9.58 Mountain Standard Time. Tim, for him, it's 8.58, but he's still yawning. So we're old. Uh, so obviously we don't know what's going on. It's been a while since we've been in high school. Uh, for all of you students out there, enjoy your class. Enjoy the games, Mr. B. Maybe go give him a big hug. Say thanks for being such a great teacher and uh, love the podcast. Give us a little shout out if you want. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you for making this far in the podcast. Uh, Filter not included. We will be back sometime at the end of this week with some NFL championship weekend preview couple of great preview shows. We're going to break it down for you, whoever is part of it. Thanks for listening. Filter not included listeners. You're the best listeners out there. Cheers. Who day?